0: Drawing room? Over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? Welcome to The Drawing Room, a space for Australia's best conversations. I'm Andy Park. After a triumphant retelling of the history of the Wright brothers in their last show, Fly, Laino and Woodley are chasing the white whale of an audience's love as they take on Moby Dick. And Colin Lane and Frank Woodley are my guests tonight in the drawing room. Careful on the gangplank as you make your way in.
1: (laughs) Thanks for having us. Thank you. You know, launch. Why why Moby Dick? I mean,
0: were you first drawn to the book or was it the wiki page?
1: (laughs) We, you know, I wish that our creative process was this incredibly thoughtful and sophisticated system, but it's really r- largely intuitive. And, and this is quite honestly how we decided to do Mo- We just, as you said, we'd done the, the story of the Wright Brothers and it was a period kind of show and we'd really enjoyed, you know, going into that theatrical world. And then Cole said, oh, maybe we could do, you know, another period piece. Maybe we could do, you know, maybe we could do something based on like a famous novel like Moby Dick or something. And I went, okay, let's do that. Like, that's how, honestly, that's how we decided to do it.
0: Yeah. The DVD commentary is going to be quite short if there is still such a thing as DVD commentaries of productions.
1: Uh, So, Cole, had you, I'd be interested to know, Cole, had you thought about Moby Dick for years and and for you this is your opus and you've always wanted, or was it just the first sort of classic novel that popped into your head? I, th- I think. Well,
2: thank you very much for taking over the uh, the questions. I'll um, just leave it to you
0: guys. I'll, I'll see you in about twenty minutes. All right. Bye.
2: Okay, thanks, Andy. But th- we love your work, and you're doing a great job. Um, but I think there was a combination of that conversation that a combination of that conversation about what we were going to do, and then for some reason, I just thought, well, we're in lockdown in Melbourne. And it seems like we are going to be for six months. So let's choose a book that's going to take six months to read. Ah.
1: Um,
0: could have been so, War and Peace. Yeah. <laughs> right. it, it could have been Proust. Uh, and here we are. I, I actually deep.
1: didn't get very far through War and Peace. As far as I know, it was the best of times. But I don't know what happened.
0: Oh, it got much worse after that. I did it? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to spoil it for you. Hopefully (laughs) there's another lockdown and uh, you can do another production of that famous novel. But but how do you... ever say that again. How do you... I mean, do you read... Do you just go, look, let's just read it and then find what's really funny and really surreal and take it to the next level? Is that the process?
2: Essentially what we're... what, What the show is, is... Colin trying to tell the story of Moby Dick, Frank trying to sabotage the telling of Moby Dick and how... Not out of Colin maliciousness, did, but
1: more out of a kind of an attention deficit disorder sort of,
2: And And like how does right. Colin cope with Frank trying to sabotage Colin's telling of Moby Dick? But I guess in some ways, no spoiler alerts, but... The subtext of the show is that the white whale is Captain Ahab's nemesis and Frank is Colin's nemesis, I think, essentially. Frank Frank is Colin's white whale.
0: So it sounds to me like the sort of, I don't know, relationship you have on stage is pretty much similar to what you have off stage when you're producing something like this. He's being annoying and you're trying to be serious.
1: Uh. <laughs> if, you mean when you say annoying, you mean comedically charming? That's the sort of.
0: I mean value adding. Yeah, that, that's what they say. Value
1: adding. Yeah. yeah, no, that's probably. Look, actually, it's I don't know. In fact, off stage, it's not really like that. In as much as we're both pretty dedicated to focus, like like as you were saying before about you know reading the book and the themes and everything. Like we did have about, you know, a million hours of just crapping on about the book, the story, what are the themes, what what are the what are the areas where um, we felt like it like we once we set that process in motion of there being the story of Leonard Woodley telling the story of Moby Dick and the actual story from the book. Where do those two things correlate, and how do how do we can how can we juxtapose elements? And like we did have a, like a million hours of boring, raving conversations, and then we wrote. Like we're not. It's funny. Like when you watch the show, it looks like it's all just unfolding as chaos, but actually we have written about ten drafts, and we've done a bunch of trial shows, and it is like a very um, long process to get to that point where the final chaotic kind of explosion of just nonsense just feels so spontaneous but actually there's a lot of you know there's a lot of uh craft and grind that goes into I don't know I'm not sort of saying feel sorry for us but
0: it doesn't just happen automatically a lot of thought goes into it sounds like the timing as well I mean timing is something you need to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and you guys I mean timing seems to be an essential part of what you guys do
2: Yes, and 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 what I think what Frank demonstrates there is that the book was <laughs> seven hundred pages long, but also his answer was seven hundred pages long. <laughs> so that gives you some sense of the timing that I had to deal with. But essentially, the, well, the, just, the, he said
1: I was annoying. I was trying to live up to my reputation in a yes, lovable in, way.
2: In a lovable way. In a, in a lovable, beautiful, charming, um, confident way. But I, the the, and that and the timing sometimes is it doesn't matter how much you rehearse that, the audience really dictates what the timing becomes. Yeah. So some sometimes you think that certain things are going to go certain ways and and you you sometimes do a joke that Frank and I have been laughing at for, for weeks and we just think he's going to absolutely kill and then it gets nothing on the first night and then we yeah. adjust the timing in that instant. Um, it's kind of and, like...
1: You know, you could practice the timing of playing a game of soccer. You know, you go to training. It's like you can do your drills till the cows come home. But the difference between drilling like a move and then playing a game of soccer, that everything gets brought into the present moment. And, you know, it's very simple. You don't know until you're out performing in front of the audience. You don't even know what the show is.
0: I heard a comedian recently. Uh, he was asked how, how do you be funny, and he his answer was basically you've got to be unfunny for a long time and fail uh, and put your ego aside before you work out what's funny. Does that ring true to you?
1: Oh, definitely. You've got to you've got to wear a lot of egg on your face and the back of your head, the top of you, you've got to be in basically, you've got to be coated in egg. It's an
0: omelette. Yeah. Yeah. A a failure. (laughs)
1: You've got to be basically wearing an omelette onesie. And, uh, and then slowly you start to, and you don't even know what's funny, but it's like your intuition is your instincts become refined. So you start to be able to be funny, even when you still don't quite know how you're doing it. It's, That's very mysterious.
0: So with Moby Dick, it's uh, obviously a piece of literature that's been lampooned a lot over the years. I mean, you know, I can remember The Simpsons' take on it and, you know, different sorts of parodies and and satires. Do you deliberately not go looking for those things to try and stay away from those tropes or do you have to consume them all to make sure you're kind of not making the same, same errors or the same jokes? There is a large amount of
2: formidable subjects in there as far as revenge... Religion, spirituality, um, uh, race—you um, know, conservation. Uh, I think that Frank and I, and Frank and I, did talk at length about, you know, for example, you know, are we going to say that we're doing Moby Dick for scientific purposes, um, you know, as far as the whale is concerned, or, you know. Is Frank going to play Queequeg, the Polynesian warrior? And then we didn't—we didn't have the courage, basically, to um, that's been to venture
0: forth into those no, into those kind of subjects. No so, grass, no grass skirts allowed. Uh, you have to actually go and find someone from that community these days. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yes, that's right. We don't want to do Moby Dick appropriation. So I think there, but you know you i don't think that frank and i really have ever and i'm not i'm not saying that we're scared of it but the comedy that we are attracted to is comedy that is about the relationship between frank and cole not what frank or cole think about um race or religion or spiritual spirituality you know it's it's about it's about Frank and Colin surviving in the world that they place themselves in rather than what we think about woke culture or, you know, um, th- and those kinds of in subjects. Terms of,
1: and in terms of the the tropes, that, uh, in terms of the kind of, in a sense, the cliche jokes that have been done about Moby Dick or whatever, We we decided, we just completely disregarded that and we just read the original source material and then we made our comedy based around, um, you know, referencing off the original material. So we're certainly not thinking of it like um, we're making jokes about the cliches of the jokes. We're just going straight to the source material and going, Ahab's, you know, vendetta to kill the whale that uh, that injured him and scarred him physically and psychologically on this demented quest for revenge. And what does that poetically represent? And then... Sort of giving the audience that the experience of if they were to go and see a play about Moby Dick, we kind of give them that world that, and then within that world, a Lana Woodley world exists. If that, it's almost we, like we, a, we,
2: Lana, we, Lana, and Woodley fire it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we, we're not really then making, um, we're not doing like a parody of parodies or something like that. We're, we're just basically using it as a playground for Leno and Woodley.
0: You're Bill and Ted going on an excellent adventure.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's
0: go with sure. On Radio National, I'm Andy Park. Leno and Woodley are my guests in the drawing room tonight, and we're chatting about comedy shows and their new production of Moby Dick, which from what I understand is just a really bad way to run a whale-watching business. To what extent are uh, the stage versions of yourselves a character rather than seeing it as yourself?
1: They're not similar. They're very different. But there is a thing where um, I think there's, a, there's a, a thing that happens with a lot of comedians, and it's probably true for other kinds of performers, singers maybe, and, and some actors, where it's almost like if you're going to show off, what comes most naturally to you as your mode of showing off and trying to be funny, so definitely we're not playing characters as such. We're doing the thing that comes most easily when we're when we're trying to. It's like in the I've heard people talk about you know in the in the sort of theatrical world where um, people do clowning. They talk about trying to find your clown. So it's not the same as being a like a more comedy uh, like stand-up comedy way to talk about it. it might be try to find your smart ass you know so it's more like that than playing a character but actually i think our on stage personas are very different to who we are off stage
0: you mentioned that this show was developed during the lockdowns how does that change things and when it comes to trialing shows as you also mentioned how, how do you do that when it's difficult to get people in the room i
2: think it i think before you even Get to do the show in a room uh, with with people, whether it's a trial audience of thirty or hundred or five hundred. I think even trying to write comedy on Zoom is 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 difficult. It's 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 hard to because a lot of the time when you are writing, particularly if it's Frank and I, a lot of the time that you are actually spend writing, you actually spend a lot of time not writing. You you spend a lot of time crapping on, telling stories, being an idiot, being a dickwit, trying to keep each other entertained, trying to keep the energy up, telling stories about what happened to you yesterday.
0: So it's basically like any kind of Zoom meeting where everyone's <laughs> trying to distract each other because they're really, really dire.
2: Well, yeah, and then and then the technology stuff's up or you you, you drop out or, you know, you only can get Zoom for 40 minutes because you're too tired-ass to pay for the premium... <laughs> <laughs> and and so it, and so it actually it, it it's actually and then even I, I remember I played a few online games as we all did during lockdown and there was a really great game called Code which I won't go into th- here but I played with about eight people in the first lockdown and then in the socket second lockdown people said let's do it again and I just went I can't do it again I don't want to do it again I don't want to be lying on my bed. Looking at the computer, playing another game on Zoom. So there's that really kind of that that reluctance to even remind you of of the times that we've had. So it was it was kind of it, it was it was kind of tough. I mean, I'm not kind of whinging and moaning, but it what it, it is it is kind of tough to get that kind of um, superfluous silliness that you need to actually come up with. Yeah. You know, comedy between two old friends. Because I don't know what our hit rate is, Frank. But I mean, Andy, you need to leave the room again. But um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what our hit rate is. But we must crap on for about, I don't know, three months to come up with seventy minutes of material. So imagine how much crap that we that we expel yeah. to actually yeah. come up with that seventy minutes. But it, it's all it's all part of the it's all part of the job.
1: Like, like I always feel if we have any kind of session, whether it's a Zoom show or we get together in person, I always feel like um, if I come away from the, the session and we've come up with one thing that I go, I reckon that will that could work. That might be really funny. Well, one That's thing. A, uh, one, one thing. Th- that, that would do like me not in my... one joke. Usually it's not one joke because usually once we're onto something... It might end up being somewhere between 30 seconds and eight minutes, you might get out of it. You know, so it's hard to know how many laughs will exist in that thing. But if we come away and we go, we came up with one thing that that that's gonna that's worth trying. That's that's worth trying and seeing if it's funny. That's a really good day for me. And that might have been five hours of work to get there, you know. Well,
0: it sounds like uh, at least coming up with one thing is better than the Zoom meetings that I sit through. Uh, I feel <laughs> like uh, it, it, it withdraws. It's like an ATM that withdraws my ideas <laughs> rather than gives <laughs> gives them some. It all, the, all
1: the joy <laughs> out of yeah. you.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you both about watching comedy yourselves. I mean, obviously you do, but do you find yourself sitting there taking notes or do you find yourself clenching your fists because you're like, "Geez, I wish I thought of
1: that? Uh, I reckon definitely in my case, like, a little bit of both. I, I'd say that it's kind of um, not so much taking notes, but definitely that thing of going, "Oh, I wish I thought of that. That's that's absolutely lovely." You know, because when they when you see a great comedy idea, often they almost feel like they've existed forever. You know, it's like if you you're a songwriter and you hear a lovely little melody that feels so familiar, but it, you've also it's the first time you've ever heard it. So I definitely have that little bit of coveting. You know, a great. A great idea but for the most part I just get lost in the comedy that I'm watching and 95% of the time I'm just really still even after all these years I'm just enjoying it as a audience member and you know I'm just having that kind of pure pure comedy comedy audience experience right?
2: I think that when I watch comedy Unfortunately, I don't want to, you know, go into the depths of psychoanalysis into, you know, the sad, tragic clown. But I think, unfortunately, sometimes, and I think Frank sometimes does this as well. When you watch comedy on on TV or something, you just sit there and you just go,
0: hmm, hmm, that's
2: funny. Mm, <laughs>
0: yeah, I do the mm, same thing. When that's, I'm that's, really that's, that's, laughing, when I'm really, really belly laughing, uh, that just means I'm going, oh, that's good. Oh, yes, oh that's yes, I respect huh. this joke.
2: I don't know whether I don't know whether this theory is correct, but sometimes when I'm watching a live piece of theater that's funny or a a comedy show, sometimes I know this sounds ridiculous, but sometimes you just you just have to tell yourself to laugh and just start laughing. You actually just have to, I know it sounds ridiculous Now you do sound like you, a sad
0: clown for sure
2: sometimes sometimes you just have to go. <laughs> <laughs> to actually just get you into that kind <laughs> of muscle memory of laughing, and then ten minutes later you're actually starting to enjoy the show a lot more. So I don't know. Maybe oh, that's usually why I usually I don't even months. bother
1: watching the comedy. I just sit alone in a room and get <laughs> <laughs> a padded cell. <laughs> rocking, I think rocking, it's rocking called backwards and forwards. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, I'm sure that the audience for your upcoming show won't have to remind themselves to laugh. Uh, Break a leg on the new show. Colin Lane and Frank Woodley have been my guests in The Drawing Room and they'll be performing Moby Dick at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival until the 24th of April. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.